So I started off this series and a couple of things that I start off with. I talked about how many are, are frustrated, with, frustrated with our political system, what that looks like. We talked about um, what a democratic republic was supposed to uh, encompass. And yet, really, we are under theocratic government. And if we would pay attention to what theocratic government is, I'm going to tell you right now, we can start changing from the ground level up. Yesterday, I met with an older gentleman in our congregation in his 80s, and he wanted to go to lunch. And his, his question is, what was, what can I do? I said, what are you not doing? He said, well, I don't know. That's why I'm sitting with a pastor. And I said, are you praying? Yeah, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm, I'm really doing that. I said, okay, now let's put some feet to your prayers. Maybe, uh, what about local government? You know a lot of people in your county? Yeah, I know a lot of people in the county and everything. All right, do you know your county commissioners? Maybe start there. Maybe maybe just start right where you are. I think we try to see and change it from the top down instead of realizing, you know, really we have a population. We can run for office. We talked last week. I asked how many of you are serving uh, in our uh, uh, civil government right now, and a couple of you raised your hands. That's a great start. Let's pay attention to what God would have. Now, here's the thing. Paul tells the church in Corinth in chapter 6, he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if any of you has a dispute with one another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? So he's saying that the Lord's people ought to judge your situation, your circumstances first. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? Now, that's an interesting statement to me. Do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world. I thought Jesus said, do not judge lest you be judged. We'll talk about that later. But he he did say that. And yet in the same token, he's saying, hey, there's some that are already judged already simply because they're not a part of the church. Um, God's judgment's already falling and be falling upon them. But here in God's world, that that do you not know that you will be a judge in this world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge Trivial cases. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Those are powerful words. They're words that kind of scare me. They're words of authority. Um, they're words that say that comes with a great responsibility. Let me tell you, the two greatest abilities you'll ever have in your life is dependability and responsibility. Jeez, I just said that. It's not even noted right there, right? But I do believe it. I do believe it. Those things are very important for us. The Lord has an expectation for his kingdom to be upon this earth. He tells us to go into all the world and disciple them. So we, as the body of Christ, we will rule in submission with Christ. And the question becomes, are we? And how can we? A couple of weeks ago, I started with this scripture in Isaiah, that five, six hundred years prior to Jesus, he said this, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Who's he talking about? Come on, a Sunday school answer, men. Come on, men on camera, I can hear you better. Thank you. You're right, right? It's Jesus. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. It's interesting that that's in there. He says that he will reign on David's throne. we got to pay attention to that because what David is, in some ways, is the natural of what's going to take place in the supernatural. Everyone understand what happens in the Old Testament oftentimes if you'll think and process with me, is the practical. And in the New Testament, we see the spiritual applied to what was practical. A great example of that would be the Israelites. The Israelites were uh, people who followed God. And what we see is just practical ways of how they followed God, how they heard from God. In the New Testament, we have a people of God called the church. Oftentimes, they hear God 
in the spiritual. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that when, and when he's talking to the woman at the well, he says there'll be a time when my spirit connects with your spirit, that that spirit is what's going to lead you. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there's a promise to Jeremiah that God's going to write his word upon our minds and upon our hearts, that that's where we're going to carry it, right? And so you see the physical coming to, or you see the natural coming over to the physical. There's some things that David's throne were built upon, some things that David's throne were built upon, man, that we can continue that kingdom work today if we'll just pay attention to how David built his throne. Because it says he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. A lot of theologians take this to, to truly believe that David's just simply in the lineage of Jesus. So it was a prophetic word, and it's a true word. There's nothing wrong with believing that. It's, it's an absolute true word. But there's so much more to that. We have to pay attention to what David's throne was. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So uh, a week or two ago, I spoke to you about the zeal of the Lord, the importance of the zeal of the Lord, that God's zeal, He is zealous for this to happen. So it's going to happen upon what? David's throne. So what did David's throne contain that we should contain today? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. All right, so I'm about to unpack this in the next four or five weeks. If we are looking for God's government to reign, we should know how it is set up. It is set up on David's throne. What does that mean? Over the next few weeks, like I said, we'll take a look at this. Now, the first thing to understand is that David, David lived in four areas during his lifetime. And if you pay attention to what he did in each one of those areas, it will help us understand what his throne was built upon. He went from Bethlehem to Agilom, from Agilom to Hebron, from Hebron to Zion. And Zion is where he would ultimately reign. All right. In all four of those areas, there was something that David did in order to prepare to set up his throne. And that's what we're going to be discovering over the next few weeks. Does that make sense, men? So you're going to look at, at the practical. You're going to look at the natural in those four areas. Today, I want to talk about Bethlehem. If you know anything about Bethlehem, you should know this. Who was born there? All right, on the count of three, it's Jesus. I'm just going, it's Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. All right. Camera, you can't hear them. We really got quite a few men here, but my goodness, they're not awake this morning. Let's keep going. All right, Jesus. And here's what you're going to find out about, about what happens with Jesus. He's born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem actually means house of bread. So it's a place where bread was given. Now, in order for bread to be given, to be known as a place that, of production, then there had to be someone who was responsible with the production, just being faithful with the bread, right? And so I think this is why Jesus made the comment, I'm the bread of life, you know, that he comes out of Bethlehem, that Bethlehem is a place that gives. That's where David started. As a matter of fact, his dad, Jesse, is known as the Bethlehemite. How would you like to carry that around? Man, we think it's bad saying we're an American. Man, Bethlehemite. That's been, not that it's bad to be an American. Anyway, let's keep going. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. So Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. So basically what's happened is that at this time, David is a young man, probably a boy, between the ages of 13 to 16, 17 is what most theologians feel like. 
And so he's young, very, very young. And David really has nothing to do with anything other than at this time is a shepherd boy. Now, God's anointing has left Samuel. And God says, I have one that my anointing will fall upon, that that is ready. And so he basically tells Samuel, the prophet, he says, go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and have his sons come before you, and I will show you which one of his sons is worthy of the anointing oil. So that's basically what's taking place. There's seven sons. So Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the boys? And he said, well, the youngest. There's one left. But behold, he is tending the sheep. So Samuel said to Jesse, send word to bring him, for we are not going to take our places at our table until he comes. And so he says, basically, we're not going to sit down and eat. We're not going to do anything until that shepherd boy, you bring him, because I know the Lord has spoken to me and said, you have a son that is supposed to be anointed. So this shepherd boy is the least of the least. He's the youngest, and it's interesting even who he put, this isn't in my notes, but go back and read uh, 1 Samuel 16 and 17, which is very interesting. You'll see that uh, Eliab goes by, the oldest, the strongest, the biggest, and, and Samuel's like, surely that's him, and God didn't give him anything. And he's like, well, okay, I'll send my second. I'll send my, I think the third son, his name was um, Shema as well. Isn't that interesting? But it's not the same Shema we've been talking about, all right? This is a different Shema. We know that because the other Shema was the son of A.G., which I can relate to. Let's keep going. All right, this is the son of Jesse. Okay. It's amazing how God has called us to sit in heavenly places with him. I think sometimes we think so highly of ourselves and think our ministry is going to be huge. And I think this is oftentimes how people come into ministry. It's what will ministry do for me? How can I gain an audience? How can I, how can, as a matter of fact, Curtis, will you give me your audience? I've got something I've got to share. I've got something I've got to impart. I've got something. I think people go into ministry oftentimes with this mindset. It's not the right way to go into, into ministry. David was simply out as a shepherd boy tending sheep, and it would be God who promoted him, but he would promote him based upon his relationship with him, with God. Now, so here's the thing. Where was David? His throne started by tending the sheep. When you look at Bethlehem, this is all Bethlehem represents, faithful in the natural, just being faithful with what he's given at the time that he's given it. Why would God choose to promote somebody who's not faithful with what they already have? You ever think, hey guys, it, it works this way in business. I mean, if you've got an employee that just continues to excel and continues to excel, what do you want to do? You want to promote that employee. Matter of fact, you want to reward what you want repeated if you have employees. So you make, you make ways that you can reward them to some degree. It may through, be through a bonus or something like that, but it just works in the natural that way. This was David. David's in Bethlehem. He's just taking care of the sheep. The Bible tells us, not to put a rookie or a novice in a position of authority. I love this because God didn't see the youth upon David as a disqualification. Was he a rookie? Probably not. You remember when he went before the king? And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But he doesn't say he just killed a lion. He says something prior to that. He said he, right, he took him by the beard and killed the lion. That's kind of manly, men. Come on, men. 
That's, that's, that's just being something, right? So first, so I'm sorry, Timothy 3, 5 and 7 says this, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? In other words, if God man has given you a family, you should start there. There's where David's throne was really with his family. He was just being a son. He was just honoring his father and his mother by taking care of the sheep. It started there. One day, God would give him his own. As a matter of fact, David wanted his own, and I'll prove it to you here in just a moment. He wanted to build something in his life. He wasn't content with just taking care of those sheep. He had ambition in his life, and there's nothing wrong with ambition as long as it's not all selfish ambition. So here's the thing. Take care. How will a man take care of the church of God if he cannot rule over his own house and not even a new convert that he will not, if he is a new convert, he will become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. So you shouldn't put someone who is immature in mature places, basically is what Paul's telling Timothy. James tells us not to be a hearer, but a doer of the word. The Holy Spirit is not going to move on a man who is just a hearer and not a doer. Y'all get that? I think don't run around yelling Shondai if your house isn't in order. Y'all don't even get that. That's speaking in tongues. That's that's a Shondai word. That's a tongue word. I don't know what it means. I'm just giving you a hard time. See, one that is slow to anger, Proverbs 16, 32 says this, one that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. That, that scripture has always bothered me because sometimes I have a temper. You guys don't struggle with that. Right? I, I just have to get up here and be open. Every now and then I have a temper. Every now and then I get angry. Every now and then I get mad. And, and I'm reminded of this scripture. Oh, wait a second. How are you going to be a ruler over a city? How are you going to be in some type of civil government if you can't rule yourself? How are you going to help the church if you can't rule yourself? One that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. To rule over one's flesh, he must learn how, how to allow it to be ruled by the spirit. Right? It's not always how you think. To rule the flesh is to control it. When we're tempted, it's a challenge. It's a testing. Right? And we have to either depend upon the spirit or we try to depend upon our flesh. And sometimes your flesh can win. Sometimes you can flesh it out. Every now and then, but it's not going to happen every time, right? That's why we got to start depending more and more upon the spiritual man. It amazes me how we want to lead the church, but we're challenged in leading our own families and taking care of our own things and changing our own oil in our vehicles, right? <laughs> vacuuming, vacuuming them out. Now, if you go out and get in my car, it's not the cleanest car today. It's 20 years old. And I am not going to lie to you, that thing's a beater, man. I just, I'll squeak. If you're parked at Walmart and you give me that much room, I'm the guy in the middle. I'm squeezing that puppy in. Hit it all you want with your doors. I don't care. Your butt buckle, butt buckle can't. Butt buckle, buck. If you wear a butt buckle, you can squeeze between my car and scratch it all you want as you go down the side. I don't care. But in my truck's a different story. It's parked in the barn. It's all shined up. And then I only pull it out to, you know, to work. Okay, let's keep going. I'm a pastor. How hard it can it be? First Samuel 16. All right. Samuel asked Jesse, the Bethlehemite, do you have any other kids? There's the youngest taking care of the sheep. Send for him. And Samuel anointed him and the Lord was upon him from that day forward. I love that. He anointed. That's the one. It's this guy that was out tending the sheep. It's the shepherd boy. It's the one that stinks. 
put that guy in front of the, the, the prophet. And it's so amazing that Samuel says, there he is. That's what I'm looking for. Now, what made him eligible to qualify to set up an eternal throne? I'm not talking about just setting up a throne. I'm talking about an eternal throne. What made this boy eligible to do that? Well, he was faithful in the natural. And let me tell you something, man, that's my first point this morning. Faithful in the natural brings revelation in the spiritual. So here, I mean, Jesse had to be faithful. And Jesse could have said, nope, that's all my sons. I'm not going to have my youngest go in front of him. Come on, man. He's out there with a the sheep. He stinks. He hadn't had a bath in four days. I'm not sending him in front. I mean, this is the prophet of the Lord. He could have said, no, nope, that's the ones that I have. Um, I don't have anybody else eligible. He didn't do that. He had to be faithful. But through his faithfulness, what happens? He's anointed in the spiritual. Just an incredible thing. This is what happens when we're faithful with each other. You know, your faithfulness can cause someone else to be anointed. That's a powerful statement. When we're faithful to serve one another, when, when you want to see someone else promoted in your life, this is why greater love hath no man that he would lay his life down for his friend. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. What Jesus is trying to say, why don't you try to promote the next guy and watch what I do with you. Watch what I'll do with you. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, now here's how this works. Faithful and natural brings revelation to the spiritual. I would almost say this. God always works in the natural first so that you can see the supernatural, so that you'll see evidence of the supernatural, so you'll recognize why the supernatural needs to happen. So, so here's, here's what happens. Normally, the natural happens prior to the spiritual. 1 Corinthians 15, 44. This is the Apostle Paul talking about death and life. He says this. The body, it's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body is what the Apostle Paul says. That's a direct quote from 1 Corinthians 15, 44. If your kids won't obey you, listen, they won't obey the Holy Spirit. If you don't teach your kids to obey and to honor you as their parent, as their father, as their dad, listen, they will not hear. I, I had a friend of mine when I was very, very Young as a parent, Wade was probably two years old and Wade probably wishes I'd have never heard this man say this, but I overheard him say, I never count to three. I never count to three with my kids because I would be training them to hear me the third time. And he said, uh, my kids, I don't count. It's first time and that's it. Or there are consequences. Well, when he said that, I said, you know what, by golly, does that make sense? And this is how he ended that. He said, because in the spiritual, I don't want God to have to call upon them three times before they listen. I want them to know his voice the first time. So we teach them in, that, in the natural. If your kids won't obey, so my kids, they get one time. If I come in, they're watching TV. I say, go clean your rooms. And I go out and I come back in and they're still watching TV. Consequences. No questions. You already decided not to hear my voice. You know, the cool thing about it is my, my third one mumbles. She's like, Dad, baby, if that's something I need to hear, you're going to have to speak up. But I don't mumble. I, I'm One of the things about Wade, you know, even when Wade was here during the break, I, I love to share about my family. And, and Wade, during the break, he said, uh, uh, he got to where I was having a hard time hearing him. Now, I know my ears, my hearings aren't. My hearing's not what it used to be, but wait, uh, he got to where he was kind of telling off too, cause he was running around with the third child. And I'm like, geez, he goes back down there at AM. Now, when I talk to him, I've talked to him one time and I can understand him again cause he's in the core down there. Hey, that's it. Speak up, brother. Daddy loves the core. Anyway, let's keep going. 
If your kids won't obey you, they won't obey the Holy Spirit. If you don't follow the rules of the test, then you won't follow the Bible. Paul says we get a natural body before we get a, or we get a physical body, a natural body before we get a spiritual body. Look at this. There was an Ishmael before there was an Isaac. If you know anything about those two, Ishmael belonged to who? Hello? Ishmael was Abraham's product, you remember? But who was Isaac? He was the Lord's product. You get the physical before you get the spiritual. There was a law before there was grace. So don't run around here shouting all these things and telling me how you've been to the third heaven if you don't brush your teeth, if you don't put on some deodorant, if you don't cut your own grass, if you don't take care of what you have in the physical. Because that's what David was doing. We're talking about an eternal throne that was set up. And Jesus, when he comes, is building upon David's throne. So there has to be something that happened in David's life. And the first thing that happened is he was faithful in the natural. Look, faithful in the natural is sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, if not most times. David washed his father's camel. Hey, Dad, today I'm going to wash your camel and take it through the camel wash. Right? Express wash, and then I'll sign up the rims on that that dude and everything. Right? He cut the sand because they didn't have grass, so he cut the sand, right? And so uh, I don't even know why. Geez, sometimes. Anyway, he did the chores. He took care of what his father required of him. He honored his father and his mother. Just the basic concept of spiritual promotion. Many times we must face our natural lines before we, before we face our spiritual ones. Just facing our natural. One of your natural lines may be getting up in the morning. I know some of you on that camera right now, some of you are not even up. You won't watch this until 10 o'clock this morning. Once a late, anyway, I'm just kidding you. I'm just teasing you. I'm glad that you came back to it. Don't leave me, all right? The second point this morning, being faithful in the natural will always bring opportunity. If you will be faithful in the natural, it will bring opportunity to you. In your job, in your work, in the household of God, in your family, it will bring promotion for you. David, when summoned by his father to take some snacks to the soldiers in the field, he would be promoted almost immediately. It's an amazing fact about David that that basically his dad had kind of promoted him a little bit. He said, okay, I'll let you go over and see what the soldiers are doing. I'll let you, matter of fact, you can leave your sheep with a with a tenant, leave your sheep with a tenant and take these snacks over to some of the soldiers, to your brothers. Run over there. And he was almost promoted immediately when he did that. Being faithful and natural will bring you opportunity. When David was summoned by his father to take those snacks, it's interesting what happened. First Samuel 17, 20. The scripture state, states this, that David got up early in the morning. Let me just stop there. David got up, just took care of the natural. David got up early in the morning. That's scripture. That's just what it says right there in First Samuel 17, 20. And David spoke to the men who were standing beside him as he took these snacks to them. And he said, what will be given to the man who takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine who should defile the armies of the living God? He asked the question, what's going to be given to the man who takes care of this guy? Because I got a little idea. I got a thought. I've been setting out in the she- in the in the sheepfold for for a couple of years now. I, I I know how God works. I've seen Him orchestrate some things in my own life. I'm ready to put those in action if no one else will. Right? 
See, while the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, and the Navy, I'm sorry to pick on a lot of you in here this morning. I can, I can say a lot of us in here this morning. As they stared at David in disbelief, David picked up five stones and said, let's fight. God was looking for a man who wouldn't compare his weakness with a giant strength, but with his God who had parted the Red Sea. He's looking for a man who says that. I may not be all that. I may not be strong. I may not be as big as you. I may not be even as courageous as you, but I have a God that is. And that's what God was looking for. Being faithful. Look, being faithful in the natural will bring you opportunity in the spiritual. It was a spiritual thing when he killed the giant. But he was faithful to say, I will. Right? In the physical. The third and final point. Faithfulness brings increase. In a moment, everything changed. Faithfulness will bring increase. Similar to the second point. I could just tie them together. Look, faithfulness will bring increase. In a moment, everything changed. A rock flew, a giant fell, an entire army was defeated. An entire army. And David began to rise to the top. God was about to use this man in a mighty way. God was about to set up an eternal throne through David's faithfulness in the natural. See, it is not our business to increase our ministry through selfishness, My business is not to get increased opportunities. My business is to be faithful in whatever opportunities God has given to me right now. And it's the same thing for you. We're all in this together. God will bring the increase. God will bring the increase as we are faithful in the natural. Next week, I'm going to talk about basically three ways in the natural that we can be faithful. All right. That's Bethlehem, the house of bread. Are you taking care? Are you baking the bread? Are you taking care of the bread? Are you giving out that bread in the natural? In the natural. In the natural. The greatest ability, like I said earlier, the greatest abilities that we are as men can have are dependability and responsibility. And David had both of those. We must learn to be faithful in the natural. Bethlehem, a place of being responsible and faithful in the natural. There are questions in front of you men. You guys are welcome to uh, discuss those questions and uh, remember those announcements and those announcements are on the bottom. Uh, Keep those dates in mind and it's good to have you with us this morning online.